Uh, thank you, Stephen. Good morning, everybody. Good morning, friends. It's so good to be with you, those online. We love you, and we'd love to see you if you're here in town, but uh, we're thrilled that we get to be connected. Uh, uh, some special greetings I want to give to some guests who are here from farther than Beaverton. Um, we have Daniel Roos from Bayamare, Romania, and I want you to stand up if you would. Welcome, Daniel Roos. Uh, if he's able to be here next week, I think he'll be here next Sunday, uh, we've partnered together for years. We're doing an outreach together, uh, Lord willing, in April in another town called Sibiu. And so he's a great brother in Jesus. And a newer brother, Chafra, uh, from Yamasukra in Cote d'Ivoire, is here. Would you please stand up, Pastor Chafra? We love you. Okay, it's his first time to the U.S., his first worship experience, and it's here at 26 West. No pressure, people. Uh, yeah, brother. We apologize for our lack of dance. God has not graced us yet. But if you come back, maybe you can show us the way. <laughs> if you know, you know. Um, and so we're just thrilled uh, to, to be a part of the family of God that extends ethnic barriers, that extends beyond country lines. We are a part of the great family that belong to Jesus. And so pray for Kotowa, pray for Romania as we pray that God would meet us in our own country. Well, let's just pray, set our hearts. If you have your Bible, turn to John 15, and we'll pick up where we were last week. Holy Spirit of God, we invite you, and we make room in our heart for you. Teach us, lead us, guide us, correct us, comfort us. Whatever it is that we need, God, we believe you, the Holy Spirit, are here to provide as we open and remain in Jesus and he in us. We want to bear fruit that will last. And apart from you, we can do nothing. But Jesus, you promised that your self, your spirit would empower us to witness, to share who you are, Jesus, resurrected, king over the universe. And we want to do that. And we, we want to look more like you, Jesus. So we're inviting you to speak to us. We pray, speak to us through the scriptures, we pray. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. amen. All right, so if you're new, uh, we have been looking at the Holy Spirit. We looked at the Holy Spirit who's above, he is God. Now we're focusing over these weeks during our community groups to look at what it means for the Holy Spirit to live within. What, what does that practically mean? And hopefully you had some good conversations last week about how the Holy Spirit wants to grow love inside of us, the very love of Jesus and Jesus-likeness and what it means to be filled with the Spirit so that we can love like Jesus loves. Uh, so we've been looking at John 15 and Galatians 5, which talk about fruitfulness. So let's just review John 15, 7 and 8. We've read this before. Let's reset our minds. Jesus says, if you remain in me, and my words remain in you. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. Why? This is to my Father's glory. What? That you may bear much fruit. What's the fruit? Showing yourselves to be my disciples. So Jesus says, he's the vine with the branches. As we remain in him and he in us, what's going to happen? We're going to bear fruit. It's going to honor God. What does it mean to honor God? That we live like his disciples. What does it mean to be a disciple? It means that over time, I look more like Jesus. 
I speak more like Jesus. I respond to people more like Jesus. And so the great goal for, for, uh, that God has for your life, wherever you may be and whatever you may be doing, if you're a follower of Jesus, God's great goal for you is that each day you look more like a son. And this isn't just theory. This is reality. Why? Because later, Paul, who's a disciple of Jesus, inspired by the Holy Spirit, helps us to see what Jesus' likeness is like. Galatians 5. We read it last week. 22 through 23. What is the fruit? But the fruit of the Holy Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, or patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And I don't think this is an exhaustive list. But in speaking to the church, God has given us the Holy Spirit. And so a leader in the church reminds the people of God, since you have the Holy Spirit, God wants to grow you. So bear much fruit. What's the fruit? Love, joy, peace. I don't get it. Write this down if you didn't last week. The Holy Spirit enables us to become more like Jesus. So the Holy Spirit is living within if you have responded in faith to Jesus Christ. You've heard the good news that God loves sin-filled people like us. And out of his great love, he sent himself, his son, to pay our sin debt in full. And he died and rose again, and he's alive, and he's ruling the universe. And he wants to rule and lead you as a child. And if you embrace Jesus Christ and say, Jesus Christ, forgive me, I turn to you, you're my only hope, you receive the Holy Spirit. And now the Spirit is living within you so that you can live more like Jesus. And so we saw the nine, the nine fruit, not fruits. The fruit of the Spirit is singular, but it's complex. Jesus' likeness is very rich. And so it looks like love and it looks like joy. And Jesus' likeness looks like peace and it looks like forbearance and it looks like gentleness. It, it looks like many things. And what you don't realize is that the Spirit is already at work in you producing this. This is not about you trying to be like Jesus in your power. That's hopeless. Rather, it's God's great love is he rescues us. He gives us a new DNA, child of God. And as a child of God, I now can live the life of love. And we're going to see this week, live a life filled with joy. So this is, when you look at the fruit of the Spirit, it is what Jesus is like, and now what Jesus wants to produce in me. And remember, and catch this, the fruit of the Spirit is not just about character transformation. Some of us, we've just limited God to saying, God, I want to be a better me. Well, that's, that's helpful, being a better you. But actually, when you read John 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, it's about Jesus preparing his disciples to continue his mission in the world. So our character transformation, which matters, is not just about us living more like Jesus, so I'm more Jesus-like, so people look and they're like, wow, they look holy. No, it is because I'm being changed by Jesus. I'm now in a better position to do what Jesus did. I can represent him well. I can invite people into the party. I can be someone whose life is changing for the good 
that becomes the what is it that's going on? Why are they this way? And I can simply point people to Jesus. So this really matters. And we looked last week at this call to love. Let's look at it again. John 15, jump down to verse 9. Verses uh, 9 through 13. As the Father has loved me, so I've loved you. Now Jesus says, remain in my love. How do we do that? If you keep my commands, you remain in my love, just as I've kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. We saw it last week that it is Jesus' living under the presence and power of the Father. Jesus' relationship to the Father is now their relationship to us. We can obey as Jesus obeyed. I've told you this, and here's his rationale, so that my joy may be in you. Some people think obedience leads to a stale life, a frustrated life, a limited life. If I, if I actually try to follow God, my life will be boring. My life will be incomplete. No, Jesus says, when you obey, I told you this so that my joy will be in you and your joy may be complete. And so my command is this, Love each other as I've loved you. What does love look like? Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. I just want you to see this connection. We read this last week, that love and joy are connected. These aren't two different things. They're complementary. And when you receive the love of God, when you're really growing and receiving love from God, that will impact you and change your attitude towards everything. And so love and joy are connected. But remember, love and obedience are connected. So the fruit of the Spirit is love, parentheses, obedience. And the fruit of the Spirit is joy, parentheses, obedience. When I, when I remain in the vine, when I want to live like Jesus, it produces in me something that Jesus says is going to change you. My joy, says Jesus, I want it in you, and I want it to be full. How many of you would just love to live in the joy of God? If, what, what would your life look like if, if God's joy was being poured into you and out of you? Now, why are love and joy connected? I think it's because what Jesus is going to say right afterwards, loving people is no easy deal. Try leading a family. Loving people that are even biologically connected to you is not easy. Kids don't always do the wise thing that their father always tells them to do. <laughs> loving, loving people that you're connected to is hard. Loving people you're not related to is hard. Loving a stranger, which Jesus would say is a neighbor, anyone is your neighbor. Loving people who are opposed to what you believe is hard. It's hard work. And so when we grow in loving God, right, remaining in the vine, his love is going to be producing us, but Jesus is realistic. When we love people in his name, it's not going to always have our desired result. Sometimes there's going to be real challenges, and what we're going to see today is that joy, which is in God, is a gift from God to us so that we can love people fully, completely, consistently and, and not give up on love. Because I tell you, sometimes you love, you love, you love, you give, you give, you give, and you feel like you get kicked in return. 
It's called leading anything. You love, you, you own a business, you, you love, you love, you love the people that come to serve with you. you. You give, you give, you give, only to get kicked in return. And Jesus says, when that happens, when we love, he's going to give us the gift, this fruit, this evidence of God in our life called joy to help us love like Jesus loves. Okay, so what does it mean for his joy to be in us and his joy to be complete? I'm, I'm glad you asked. You asked great questions. By the way, I'm glad you asked. You just keep reading. Keep reading the Bible. John 15. I'll go down to verse 18, and let's just read this. If the world hates you, keep in mind, it hated me first. (laughs) Okay? If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I've chosen you out of the world. That's why the world hates you. Remember what I told you, and he'd said this earlier when he washed their feet. Remember what I told you, a servant's not greater than his master. So if they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. If they obeyed my teaching, they will obey yours also. They will treat you this way because of my name, for they don't know the one who sent me. So I love, remember, Jesus in this teaching to his disciples in the upper room is preparing them to lead. And so if you want to love like Jesus and you want to lead like Jesus, Jesus says a servant isn't greater than his master. So Jesus washes their dirty feet as an act of love. They don't deserve it. Jesus deserves to have his feet washed. But no, Jesus takes the towel and says, you'll be wise if you do what I do. Love humbly. But when you love, just know this. And he knows because Judas is in the room. He knows he's going to be betrayed by one of his closest disciples. He knows that the one that he loved is going to betray him with a kiss and they're going to arrest him. He know- Jesus has read the Bible. <laughs> and he knows the suffering in Isaiah is about to happen to him. But yet Jesus joyfully goes to the cross and he doesn't spit out this disciple that's about to betray him, but he even loves him. I want you to catch that. What does it mean for us to live this way? So, okay, what is joy? This word is described as the experience of of gladness. That's simply what it means. It's also, you could translate it, happy. There's an experience within you that's gladness. And Stephen Collins gave a great message in our Advent series on joy. I'm not going to repeat it. You can watch it or listen to it online. But Jesus wants his gladness, his happiness, his experience of joy to be ours and growing. But let's be honest. This really matters because have you met a Jesus follower who might be filled with God in their life but their just demeanor lacks all joy. That if, if, if following Jesus is like that, give me something else. Because what, what God wants to produce is in us, not our joy, his joy that will be with us, working through us, and not just for our benefit, will be something that is attractive. He is the vine, we're the branches, we bear fruit. As people see our lives, they're going to be attracted 
or not attracted to Jesus. And so our joy really matters. Now, what does the Holy Spirit want to do? Lots of things. And joy is complex. We could do a whole series on joy. I only want to focus on one dimension because I think it's at the heart of what Jesus is saying in John 15, which is about preparing his disciples to suffer. So I'm going to narrow the focus. Joy has a lot to it. So I'm not, I'm not excluding the rest of it. I just don't have time. I'm going to focus on one sliver of it. And because you're kind, you're going to give me permission to do that, right? Yes, you are. Um, so write this down. The Holy Spirit produces Jesus' joy in us for the disappointment that comes while following him. The Holy Spirit produces Jesus' joy in us for the disappointments that come while following him. So following Jesus can sometimes be disappointing. Yes. And he's just said that. Remember that loving Jesus is the goal. Loving people in his name is the goal, but loving leads to all sorts of responses. Jesus said in verse 18, if the world hates you, remember, it hated me first. And if you belong to the system, now when he says the world, we all live in the world, but we actually are united with Christ. We belong to Jesus. We belong to him. We belong to his family. So the vision and values of God's family now lives in us. So yes, we live on planet earth, but we're not to live the way everyone else lives who isn't in relationship with God because we have a new father with a new vision and new values and a new way of living. And, and we've embraced Jesus, so we've committed ourselves to go his way. And if you read the Bible carefully, you realize everything Jesus said came true. If the world hates you, remember it hated me first. Keep reading the Bible, and after the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you're given a book called Acts or the Acts of the Apostles. And God is so smart. He records for us forever what happened when Jesus rose again, ascended, sent the Holy Spirit. What happened in the lives of his followers? And why did God do that? Is God interested in history? Yeah. But he's also in, he's interested in us remembering that often what happens will happen. And you're not the first I'm not the first. We're not the first. So I can look in sacred scripture to the lives of real people and see real things that God does. And then I can see how God might want to do that in me. And I can find real hope in that. It's by the encouragement of the scriptures that we find hope. So if you read Acts, you'll, be, you'll, you'll tend to overemphasize one thing over another. You read the book of Acts, there are miracles everywhere everywhere. God's power through the Holy Spirit is present everywhere. And so you could focus on that. You could focus on the growth of the church. You read the book of Acts. It starts with a dozen. There's 120 in the upper room. Within moments, there are thousands and thousands and thousands. And this thing's spreading like wildfire. And you can focus when you read on the book of Acts of, wow, God grows his church and how the movement of Jesus is amazing. You could focus on all those things. What we tend to overlook as Americans I'll, you know, to our brothers in other countries, you, you may see it more clearly than we do. We look at the success, we look at the growth, but I want us to remember the suffering for actually following Jesus. Acts 2, the Spirit comes, and Peter preaches good news. People are radically saved. Wow, that's good. What happens in the next chapter? Acts 3, Peter and John are going to worship. This is someone who's crippled. And in love, in love, they see a broken human. 
in the name of Jesus, just rise up, and he's healed. That's love. And you think that people would love them for that. What happens? Jesus is changing lives, and people are getting upset, and the next thing you know it, they throw them in prison and threaten them if they speak in the name of Jesus. I want us to capture this. Following Jesus means sometimes if the world hates Jesus, it might not like us either. So if we're going to bear the fruit of God, we're going to have to remember that being a part of God's family doesn't mean things are going to always look good in your life. Just look at the life of Jesus. That everyone's going to always understand you. Look at the life of Jesus. That everyone's going to love and appreciate you, even though you give yourself sacrificially for the good of others. That everyone's going to say, wow, they're just amazing. Sometimes, Jesus says, they hate you. They actually don't hate you. They don't know my father. And if they don't know my father, they're going to treat you like they treated me. And so Jesus' invitation. Now, you say, this is a message on joy. Jose, you're a little depressing. (laughs) I want us to capture this. Joy in the face of real suffering. This isn't the only dimension of joy. Calm down. This is a dimension I think you and I need to grapple with. So Acts 3. So, so, they, so what do the disciples do? I love this. They keep sharing Jesus. <laughs> they ignore. They ignore the call to stop loving people. Side note, the most loving thing you could ever do in your life is to help people know Jesus. The, to, with words and action, to, to point people in the direction of Jesus. And I'll give you a little tip. If you are one of his followers, you can do this. You can speak of Jesus with your lips. Hey, what'd you do this weekend? Is it dare? What'd you do this weekend? Oh, I went to, what'd you, what are they going to ask? What did you do this weekend? Well, I did this, I did this, and I went to church, and it was a whole conversation about joy. I dare you to bring up the fact that you went to C-H-U-R-C-H, which you did. You say, but, but well, what are people going to think? Well, they're going to think you went to church. <laughs> and that might not be a bad thing. That might not be a good thing. But what if we let them know it was a thing? Side note, joy. <laughs> In the face of your current sorrow. So, so okay, So they don't like the disciples who were used of God for the healing of someone. So they keep sharing and keep praying. God keeps working. Acts chapter 5, this is what happens. They they keep doing this. Then the high priest and all his associates who were members of the party of the Sadducees, they were filled with jealousy. This is comparing the disciples to Jesus. So they arrested the apostles and put them in public jail. The apostles were brought in and made to appear before the Sanhedrin to be questioned by the high priest. We gave you strict orders not to teach his name, which they have authority. They're the religious leaders. He said, yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. They can't even say Jesus, this man's blood. So Peter and the other apostles replied, we must obey God rather than human beings. Like, stop hating us. We're just following Jesus. The God of our ancestors raised Jesus from the dead, whom you killed by hanging him on a cross. I love his boldness. 
You keep saying we killed Jesus. Yeah, you did. God exalted him to his own right hand as prince and savior so that he might bring Israel to repentance and forgive their sins. We are witnesses of these things and so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. When they heard this, they were furious and wanted to put them to death. So they called the apostles in and had them flogged. What did they do to Jesus? Before taking him to the cross, they had him flogged. Then they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. The apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they've been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. Day after day in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching or proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. I want us to catch this. This has got to sink in. One dimension of joy, it's not the only. There was a joy in their soul because they got flogged. Not because they got flogged, but because they were able to walk in the pattern of Jesus and saw that if the master suffered, so might his disciples. Yet they kept going town to town, place to place, and they kept, what is it that fueled them to love people? The most loving thing we could do is to share Jesus with people. It's the most loving thing that we could do. It was this joy within to say like, I'm united with Jesus, and he's given me the same spirit that was in Jesus, is the same spirit that's in me, and now I can do what Jesus has done. And yeah, there'll be moments of pain, but Jesus rose again, and I will too. And I can live for him, and I can suffer like him. And so the church keeps growing and growing and growing. So you think, okay, there's a small period of suffering, and then it ends. No, keep reading Acts. So Acts 5 to 7, sorry, 6 to 7, uh, it focuses on one person, Stephen, who's not an apostle. So it wasn't just the apostles. It went from the apostles to the leaders, and by the end of Acts, it's all the people. And we know through church history that suffering and persecution has happened to all sorts of people who call on the name of Jesus. It's not a popular message. It just happens to be in the Bible. So, you can have joy while you obey his commands, follow him, and love people, even in the midst of suffering. Now, when I am defining suffering here, this is suffering for obedience to Jesus and following his footsteps and doing what he says not for being foolish, arrogant, rude, and unkind. You're going to suffer for that. And Jesus would not want that for you, but don't blame that. Oh, Lord, I'm following you. And I, I know I kept telling those, whatever party you belong to, that they should vote for my party. And I know he battled it out, but Lord, you know I'm right. He's saying, you fool. You absolute fool. Forget your donkey. Forget your elephant. Forget your tree. Why don't you focus on me? Because what I have to say is more important than your policy. And I don't even know how I got there, but I got there. Because <laughs> all roads lead to political division. So in Acts, in Acts 6 to 7, uh, we see that Stephen is, is arrested because he has been doing this Jesus stuff. I'll jump down to verse 54 for time but I encourage you to read all of 6 and 7. When the members of the Sanhedrin heard this, they were furious and they gnashed their teeth at Stephen. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven, saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, 
I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Stephen is about to be murdered. But what is he reporting? I see God for who he is. This is what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit. In the middle of his suffering, he has a glimpse of Jesus. And at this, verse 57, they cover their ears and yelling at the top of their voices. They rushed at him. They dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. Meanwhile, the witnesses lay their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul. And while they were throwing rocks at him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when they had heard this, when he had said this, he fell asleep. A kind way of saying, he died. What's, what's he doing at the end of his life? What happened to Jesus on the cross? In, Father, into my hands, in your hands, I commit my spirit. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. At the end of Jesus' life, he's in communion with the Father, and he does his work, and he goes to be with the Father. And, and Stephen has a vision of Jesus because the fruit of the Holy Spirit is love and joy. He can face real suffering. I want us to think about joy in the middle of suffering. Uh, again, this is not all there is to joy. One dimension. When we stand up and not arrogantly, but lovingly present Jesus Christ in our lives, through our lives, with our lips, when we invite people in the spiritual conversations, when we invite people to think about God's claim of their life, when we bring up things that are from the Bible, when we talk about our community group and what we're learning and how we're growing, when we take risks, there will be, not might, there will be resistance. And so where do we see the evidence of the fruit of the Spirit here in Stephen? Well, we see it in his love. Don't hold this against them. I mean, we get so mad at people that they don't agree with us. And Stephen is being, being killed by these people and his heart is filled with God. And it comes out of his life. It's not Stephen's love. It's the love of the Spirit poured through this servant. God, forgive them. They don't even, I know they're harming me, but Lord, you know the arrogance and the ignorance, and God forgive them. And then there's joy. Jesus, receive my spirit. I see Jesus seated at the right hand of God. He, Stephen is able to be aware of the Holy Spirit working in and around him, producing him. So here's, I think, a takeaway we need to think about. Following Jesus can be both hard and joyful at the same time. Following Jesus can be really hard and joyful. They're not enemies. We think of difficulty and joy as opposites. It's like pain and joy can't commingle. That is not the case. As a matter of fact, that's where we see Jesus exhibiting joy in the middle of his own sorrow. If you don't believe me, Hebrews 12, verses 1 through 3, a reflection on why we need to remember the people who've gone before us, Jesus-loving people, who were before us, and we need to remember Jesus. Therefore, after this whole list in Hebrews 11 about these 
great people of faith. Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses other people have received from God, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Let's run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. And here's why. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider Jesus, who endured such opposition from who? Sinners. Why? So that you will not grow weary and lose heart. It's out of his great love for us that Jesus Filled with the love of God and filled with the joy of God, he knows that the moment of suffering is worth it because his sacrifice is going to lead to the salvation of everyone who follows him. And in a similar way, we're not Jesus, but in a similar way, we can represent Jesus publicly. Jesus did not die in private. On a cross, outside of Jerusalem, for everyone to see. And he doesn't lash at anyone. But he says to John, speaking of his mom, who's there watching her son be crucified. This is now your mother and this is now your son. Take care of my mom. Joy! He knows that his suffering is momentary and is gonna lead to the salvation of others. And so what we need is is the Holy Spirit's work to bear the fruit of giving us perspective. There'll be moments when we follow Jesus, when we do what is right, and it does not go our way because of the name. Again, I'm not talking about your personal foolishness. I'm not talking about your meanness. I'm not talking about your arrogance. Those things you will suffer for. But when we actually want to live the way of Jesus and we're hit and confronted we're called to consider Jesus. And here's what's going to be mysteriously attractive about your life. When you can respond in a way that is Jesus-like, even when those who are not for Jesus laugh at you and mock you, our world is looking, in our anxiety-filled world, looking for role models of what it means to be a joy-filled human in the middle of sorrow and sadness. And what is it that keeps us glad? Well, we remember he rescued us. He loved us. He cares for us. And, and, and Jesus has united us with him, and we're going to live with him forever so we can honestly grow in loving God and loving other people. And following Jesus ought to be our greatest pursuit. And when we lean this direction, this fruit of the Holy Spirit, which is not my joy, it's the joy that comes from God. It can be birthed in my heart. So, okay, that's great, Jose, nice theory. How does the Spirit produce God's joy in, our, in and through our lives? Write this down. The Holy Spirit helps us see our circumstances with God's perspective and provides the power to endure suffering for his name. People misunderstood Jesus and they will misunderstand us. So I don't want to be naive and just say, tell everyone about Jesus and everyone's going to love you for it. That's just not the case. And the more we choose to follow him, the more we're going to realize we're going to have to be open 
to those outside of the faith when we share, and let's be honest, to those inside of the faith. I think the last three years has been hurtful and helpful. Hurtful in that, hey, you take the last three years. I mean, come on, it's not been officially called a war, but you might as well call it. All that we've been through during these almost three years of the pandemic. Stay home, avoid people. Everyone's gonna get you sick. Businesses shut down, schools shut down. And for like a year and a half, it was way wacko. And then more, and now we're still dealing with the lingering effects. We have been through a rough one. And I'll just pull it into the church environment. Um, We're gonna need the Holy Spirit to help us to love out of Jesus's love and be joyful because this has been a really discouraging time. Would you agree? Um, I love what I do. I love the good news. I love to share it. And I love the opportunities God's given me. Yet I have to say the last three years, like, Lord, why? Why would you put me in this spot? Your people don't like each other. It's become very apparent. And I've sat through so many conversations where it's like, no, I didn't say that. No, I didn't mean that. I'm sorry you heard that. Or I did say it. I didn't mean it. Can we agree to disagree? And even within the church community, there is is a great need for us to be fruitful in our life in the spirit. Because yes, love, primarily Jesus is saying, is for the world that's yet to believe. But it's got to start somewhere, right? And it's been extremely at times discouraging try to, trying to do this Jesus leading thing with all, you know, are we open, are we closed? Hey, I'm leaving the church because you guys aren't open. Hey, I'm leaving the church because you guys are open. Excuse me? Well, you have to wear a mask. Well, well I'm not coming. Well, if, you, if everyone doesn't wear a mask, I'm not coming. Nobody's coming. Let's just do the whole thing by video, which we did for months and months and months. And, and, and then you throw in race, and then you throw in politics, and then you throw in all that we've been going through. And you know what I've found to be so true and so helpful? I have not lost my joy. There are moments where it's been hard, but it's not my joy. It's, I found that even through all of the challenges of trying to just do what Jesus has called me to do, yet I'm hit. I'm expecting to get hit from those who have yet to believe in Jesus. Look, I'm open. When I go and preach, there'll be 10,000 people. A thousand people will respond to Jesus. You know what my mind is thinking about? What about the other 9,000? I had 9,000 no's. Well, if you see it from that perspective. So I'm I'm used to choosing joy in in an outreach environment. Yet I'm, I'm finding that God is producing joy to serve him and to not respond to people in hurtful and hateful ways. He's producing it. And it's, it's hard, but the Holy Spirit is working through suffering to bring about God's joy. And I see it happening. So I was like, great. So what can we do to cultivate, cultivate God producing joy in us so that we can live like Jesus, which sometimes means suffering. I think two things, and maybe you could discuss it in your group this week. 
I think the first thing is we can cultivate a heart that's responsive to God's leading. That I can do. Remember, remain in me, says Jesus. And it's Hebrews 12.1. Therefore, since we're surrounded with such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. That means what I can do is in light of God's faithfulness, in those in scripture, in those in history, in those who are before me and older than me, what can I do? I can cultivate a heart that when I do sin, and I will, I, I quickly make peace with God. I don't linger in it. I don't hide it. I don't stuff. I don't pretend it doesn't exist. But rather, my heart is responsive. And the sin that so easily entangles when I fall and I fall and I fall again, nothing will steal your joy more more quickly than an unrepentant heart. It is impossible to experience the joy of the Spirit when you're living in resistance. So primo number one for all of us, where are we in our heart right now towards Christ? Are are we living in, now we all sin all the time, of course, but are we ignoring it, hiding it, or are we quickly saying, God, by your grace, forgive and give me the power to resist? If, if not, of course we're going to lose our joy. And the second thing I think is equally important, we, we ought to keep our focus on Jesus more than our circumstances. So fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, for the joy set before him endured the cross. So Jesus experienced immense suffering, but it was you on his mind. He knew that in the light of eternity, his sacrifice, momentary suffering, would lead to your new life. And what we ought to do is keep our eyes focused and realize, Jesus, for one, I know I'm suffering, but I know you suffered even more greatly than I ever will. And I know that this moment is hard, Lord. Give me perspective, Holy Spirit. Verse three, consider him who endured such opposition from sinners. Why? So we won't grow weary and we won't lose heart. Look, life can be hard. And as a word to us who are watching from the US, I'm gonna be slightly mean, but I mean it in love. We're babies. A little bit of conflict, I'm out of here. We have no sense of commitment. We have a little, little sense of what it means to be faithful through tough times. If it's not good for me, if it doesn't feel good, if it doesn't lead to my instant gratification, I don't need it. As a matter of fact, I'm the center of my universe. I wish I were speaking about those who don't follow Jesus. I was actually talking about those who do. We ought to, we ought to ask God to give us some resolve from the Holy Spirit. Our friends, our brothers and sisters, there is suffering here for the faith. I'm not saying there isn't, but on the whole, it's those outside of our protective walls that understand more innately what it means. If you stand for Jesus, some are going to dislike you, but yet we can love them anyway. And what's the worst they can do? Kill us? That's the worst. They can't separate me from the love of God that's in Jesus. And they can't keep me from following the will of God. And they can't stop me from receiving the empowering presence of the Spirit to somehow, I'm not saying when you're in the middle of getting kicked, it's going to feel good. What I'm saying is God can give you the joy of the Lord to respond to those who hate you with love. That's the evidence of joy. 
It's I treat you like God would, not like I want to. Here's the truth. God loves you. Here's the truth. Jesus died and rose to save you. Here's the truth. If you follow Jesus Christ, you have the Holy Spirit, and you're never, ever, 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 ever alone. So the Holy Spirit wants to grow us by producing Jesus' joy so we don't grow weary and don't lose heart. Isn't that good news? That's good news. So here's what I want us to do. I want you to stand on your feet. The team's going to lead us in response and worship. Stand on your feet if you would. And, and let's just take a moment. There might be things in your life right now that when I was talking about the sin that so easily entangles, there might be an issue, a situation that's real in your life that you've yet to release to the love of God and to the forgiveness and the grace of God. Here's what I invite you to do. In a moment, not yet, we're going to walk, we're going to grab the bread, we're going to grab the cup, and then we're going to take communion together. We're going to remember that Jesus, filled with joy, goes to the cross. But before we do it, take a moment. Just take a moment. Close your eyes if that's helpful. And whatever it is that's on the inside that the Spirit has been nudging you towards, just make peace. And whether that's a prayer, whatever that may be, just take a moment. Don't let it pass.